Under the Helmet. You'll do your thing, all right? Don't be nervous, okay? The show that looks at long-term player value in fantasy football. It's the moment right here. We're going to have to decide what, what type of team we want to be. Building Dynasties each and every week. I don't even know your name. What's your name? Chad Parsons. I'm telling you, man, you're leading the league in hydration. I got a Dynasty team reaping rewards for the next decade. Katie Flower. You may beat me, but you will not outwork me. Tim Torch. There's only one winner, Chad. Find their written and premium audio content at uthdynasty.com. Playing it safe in Dynasty means you're going to lose. Stop talking about it, man. Let's get this going right now. Welcome down to the helmet, looking at some long-term player value in fantasy football. I'm your host, Chad Parsons, joined by Katie Flower, the official podcast of UTHDynasty.com, home to over 300 premium podcasts this year. Uh, you want to get the UTH Film Notes podcast direct to your inbox. I watch every play of every game. Distill it down to the dynasty information you need to know. That's out late Sunday night, early Monday morning. Uh, so again, breaking down all the action uh, from Thursday when applicable, <laughs> when the NFL schedule provides, and, uh, and and Sunday's games, and again distilling it down to the things beyond the box score uh, from watching the games, missed opportunities, and uh, evaluating play and, and giving dynasty takeaways that you'll have uh, fresh to kick off your new week. And uh, also, you want to support the show, patreon.com slash UTH. Tim Torch and I just finished up recording a, uh, the waiver show, which is commonplace for every single week in season. And uh, there's a VIP chat uh, that you can join uh, as one of the tiers that uh, 24-7 access to me with questions, um, other diehard and, and really great dynasty owners. And uh, there's a, a weekly in-season uh, strategy session that you can you can be a part of and uh, that's also recorded and put out and a bunch of other things too uh, so support uh, what UTH does on on multiple platforms there and Katie we're, we're six weeks in we're basically halfway through the fantasy regular season it's flying by even though every <laughs> every week feels like it's a, a war of attrition and a war of making sure you're up on who's playing when and injuries and, and and COVID lists and and all these things that have just made it a much more immersive year uh, we'll use the word immersive this time in describing it but six weeks you know this is the time i mean you're evaluating where you stand you're making moves that are aligning with that and you're still wanting to dial in because talking about the waiver wire with tim every week every single week has had its own sort of theme and tone and frankly there have been interesting options every single week to say you need to be pivoting. You need to be optimizing with those final one, two, three spots on your roster. Absolutely. It was such a strange week not having a game on a Thursday. I went ahead and I was setting all my lineups. <laughs> like usual? Yeah, did, like usual. Did you like it or not like it in retrospect? No I Thursday did not game. like it. I I okay. didn't even know until about an hour before the game. And I was like, wait a minute. I don't even You're see. You're just in your zone. Yeah. You're like, I don't have any Thursday players. Who's playing? I know. I, and then I was like, who's playing tonight? I don't. I, and then I looked and I'm like, well, holy crap. And it made sense why that there wasn't a game. But it was a bummer. Uh, you know, you're all excited. Do you, like, do you like the doubleheader Monday? Oh, I loved it. I didn't. Okay. I mean, I had to work. If that were a regular thing, if that was every week of the regular season, or let's say most weeks of the regular season, would you be for that? Yes, because I, I didn't like that it started at 4 o'clock Central Time. I missed <laughs> the first hour of the game. Right. I mean, because I was still working, I had to miss the first hour of the game. But do you like the do you like overlap? Like if I, I think mm, we had what one or two times the doubleheader was overlapped by like a half. I don't or by like, like I don't bit. like the overlap. Uh, if they could, because well, they don't want to push the Eastern the Eastern right. time. They don't want to no, push I, past about eight thirty eight forty. 
So I'm thinking, I mean, the start would need to be, if you started at 6 Eastern, the first game, then you'd be basically the first games in like the fourth quarter when the other one started. Right. It protects you from a blowout, though. What it does is if that game's over, you can swap to the other one. I don't know. I, I can go either way. I, I mean, anytime I get less games on my plate on just the, the, the Sunday, I'll take it. So if you're getting, you know, a buy game or two, you're getting... I know everyone was complaining about the nine games. Yeah, I didn't, like, games. I didn't like that either. Everyone was complaining about that. But, I mean, what was the... The second game was a, a dud one, right? So I guess everyone was tuned into Green Bay, Tampa Bay this yeah. week on the, the secondary Yeah, and it's hard to keep there. up when they've got nine. I watch it red zone. Yeah. I watch it on red zone, even if... even if And nine is just like rapid fire, I'm sure. Yeah, and they'll do like quad box when there's four teams in the red zone. And, and I do like that I can see all of them, but it does get a little hard to follow. And, uh, yeah. you know, I'm used to Have you ever to watched the eight that. boxes? Have yeah. you ever watched the eight the Octo, box for the Sunday Octo ticket? Box. Oh, uh, that's, that's tough to follow. No. I used to, when it first came out, I did Sunday that. ticket. No, I, but they, oh, they'll do okay. eight. They'll do an Octo box. If Just there's eight games, Just if there's it. eight games all in the red zone, they'll have, Oh, okay. They'll do that. So, okay. Um, yeah, the red zone must have been like easy duty if with the, just the two games. Yeah, <laughs> it, a lot of, it was a lot of Packers game, and then they just come in every once in a while. They're probably like legitimate commercials. Yeah, for, and then the, anyway, the Cowboys game yeah. was hard to watch. Uh, you know, the Patriots game was hard to watch. There were so many games that were, at least with the Patriots game, there were other games going on, but yeah, uh, nothing could spare me from the Cowboys game. And the horror that it was. <laughs> well, I was talking to a friend of mine, and you know they were they were lamenting the the Cowboys, and they're they're not a Cowboys fan, but more of a general NFL observationalist, let's say. So, um, the thing that I had to remind him, I was like, like this is not your two, three, four years ago dominant offensive line Cowboys either. I mean, the defense has plenty of its own issues, but the offensive line used to be. I mean, a who's who of pro bowlers and all pros. And they've shed a lot of those guys. And they've had injuries in addition to shedding those players over the last few years, whether it's they couldn't afford them or whatever, and or falling off in terms of play. So you mix a, 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 a shaky offensive line with a defense that can't, can't stop anybody, and it's a rough environment. And you're seeing all that. I, I really didn't look at that game, and I know maybe the brunt of it is going to come down on Andy Dalton being the new piece, I guess. But I didn't really view him as the problem, and I didn't view him as the reason if you're very, very concerned about the rest of the season, even in a bad division. I don't think Andy Dalton, I know he probably lost some trade value in cachet from you know, coming in and looking good the past week in relief and now getting a start and not looking fantastic and I guess them not winning uh, I'm sure it hurts his super flex trade value etc but I don't think much of my projection for him rest of the season has changed yeah uh it was a whole bunch of different things the offensive line was horrible Ezekiel Elliott fumbled the ball and turned it over twice um Andy Dalton was missing players and passes but Kenyon Drake looked like a real running back for the first time all season right? yeah I mean it took it, it and it still took that long breakaway at the very end to actually have a good fantasy day uh, but I mean that's kind of says everything you need to know right I mean Dallas let Kenyon Drake have a season high game where everyone else firmly held him in check so that's how bad it was yeah yeah it was uh. just it was bad but on the other hand 
I did start the Arizona Cardinals defense in a couple of my leagues as one of my uh, fle- or, uh, floating streamer. Yeah, streamer. Thank you. I couldn't think of the word. <laughs> floaters. Oh, floaters. One of my one of my <laughs> we'll streamers. Start that. Yeah. yeah, my defensive floaters. <laughs> well, floater is like an office term, right? Where it's like if someone's yeah, a floater, yeah, yeah, they yeah. can either be a supervisor or they kind of help out in like a few different areas, uh, floating around. Um, well, Katie, I let me. Okay, before I go into, I actually had something that I wanted to kind of rapid fire with you and talk about the rookie wide receivers, you know, now that we're state of the union. So, yeah. you know, give a, a quick rapid fire Katie reaction to a lot of the bigger names of the class. Uh, but before that, is there anything else, you know, we're kind of half season through here that is kind of standing out to you in terms of a position, players, NFL teams, situation type stuff where you say, we've got enough of a sample size to say, you know, that I believe what is happening or, you know, you don't believe good or bad of what is happening? Well, A.J. Green is one of them. And I know you mentioned him on the roundup. You know, he had such a big breakout, but he has been heavily targeted this entire season and just wasn't clicking. Now, as you mentioned, he's probably not going to keep up the pace that he had this weekend. They're, you know, T. Higgins is starting to come on. Tyler Boyd is looking good. Their tight ends uh, really haven't done much. Uh, but that team is going to be up and down. They're, they're at least they're not the worst, but they're not, they're not the best. So they're going to struggle. They're going to have up and down games. And I, I still think I agree with you that AJ Green is. Uh, you know, now is the the best time of any to just exit stage left on him. Because uh, you got three receivers that any one of them could get nine, ten plus targets in a given week, and that's going to make it tough. Right, it's and going to make it tough to predict and tough to trust. And he's old enough that it's just you know he's going to get no trade tiebreaker. Right, and and play. he's been targeted, but he has not been and catching. Not right, and he's yes. not been producing. So it's not because. So why does that earn Joe Burrow's trust? It, it, I mean, if, exactly. if Higgins is doing more, Boyd does more. Why would he? And, and Green is over there siphoning off the top cornerback, probably still. Right. You know, on on respect. So why would he not go to ancillary guys with softer, easier matchups and coverage? It just makes sense, it, at least in critical situations. Um, yeah. So so AJ Green is 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 a, is a big one. You know that. And all right, so let's talk about some of the wide receivers um, here for the rookies. Um, so we'll rapid fire this. We'll get through, you know, maybe eight, 10, 12 of them. Uh, so Henry Ruggs, uh, we really haven't seen a ton of him. He's really, I think, only played two games, maybe two and a half games in terms of a decent level of snaps. But he still uh, broke off of a few big, big plays. Um, what do you think in terms of what you thought in april versus kind of how the early sample size is is looking i think he is what we thought he was he's going to be a fast deep threat uh on that offense and uh is that going to be tough to trust fantasy wise yeah i mean i think that if he ever does develop like will fuller has developed into a more complete wide receiver that yeah. I think that will be down the road. That's still an if, but as a flex play, as you know, I wouldn't go out and trade for the guy. But if you've got him, I wouldn't trade him away. I don't think he's a hot potato. Is he, he kind of like McCole Hardman, but maybe a better version and 
obviously, you know, being more integrally involved I think, and not completely disappearing on a weekly basis type. Yeah, I think usage. I think that because the Raiders don't have nearly the weapons as Kansas City that you can trust Ruggs more than you can Hardman, if that makes right. sense. Um, yeah. So from that perspective, I, I wouldn't be afraid to start him. The interesting part, obviously they play different roles, but... I want to see a, a very healthy Brian Edwards, please, sometime in the near, yeah, near future. Well, let's mix him in because he's already had three or four kind of splash moments and plays where you say, this is a traditional wide receiver that can excel and win. And even though he didn't go until the third round of the NFL draft, I mean, he, he's also been hurt. You know, So when you talk about the Raiders who have been performing well and yet they've been without rugs for a stretch, Brian Edwards for a chunk of that time, um, fortunately, you know, they've had Jacobs healthy, uh, Darren Waller healthy, um, and they've been getting it okay, you know, with some of these passed over guys like Nelson Aguilar, et cetera, at wide receiver. Think of if the Raiders actually get healthy by the end of the year, they they could be a handful that has already beaten the Chiefs. So, I mean, I'm, I'm really excited for that. And yeah, like you mentioned with Brian Edwards, I mean, I think, you know, if you, if you got him in the late second, you've already seen enough flashes where you say, there's enough positivity to see him growing and developing beyond, you know, and taking out sort of that already high for a round three wide receiver bust risk. Um, so Jerry Judy, uh, next up. So we've see, he, he has been one that hasn't flashed very much over the past, I want to say, couple games. Um, but he's had a few games of note. No, uh, no Cortland Sutton. You know, that helps in terms of opportunity. We can lump uh, K.J. Hamler in there who's been hurt as well, but he had one game of note. Um, what do you think about the two Denver guys? Um, I, I love Jerry Judy. He's a great route runner. I think he's going to be fine in the long term. I've, I've seen enough to, to you know, I'm, I'm not worried. Be, be confident. Yeah, yes. And okay. Hamler, and- Hamler, I think, is just going to be whatever that team needs him to be. He, I don't think fantasy-wise, unless you're playing best ball, uh, yeah. you know. I don't well, that's the thing. I mean, he when he, Corlin Sutton is back prospect. and healthy, right? He is right. he is a good prospect. You get Sutton, you get you get Judy, you get get Fant, and if you say, well, where does KJ Hamler fit in? And you go probably behind those guys. Yes. You know, in all in all probability spectrums, he's behind those guys, and so that's going to be tough. Now, if Sutton ends up moving on, uh, you know, in terms of free agency at some point, you know, Hamler can come up, and that helps. Or if there's injuries or something like that, which I think is when we saw Hamler play more. You know, when they started to have injuries. Um, so so yeah, Hamler was always that guy where. The, the raw UTH valuation in the third round would be like, well, you take KJ Hamler. But I was like, but how long are you waiting? It's a very clouded situation, and I still don't even trust the quarterback, and yet I'm going to take those over day two running backs. I was like, I just can't do that. Right. I just can't do it from the likely uh, you know waiting period you're going to have to have. All right, uh, Mr. C.D. Lamb in Dallas. He's actually a top 20 uh, point-per-game guy so far. Yeah, I I like the guy. I've, I liked him more in college than you did, but that doesn't, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, he's done more than I've expected earlier than I expected. Uh, do you think running out of the slot has really, really helped? I him do. In terms I of do. Getting optimal look. Yes. And the fact that Gallup is on one side, you got Cooper on the other and who's covering CD Lamb. Right. And all three of those guys are good physical wide receivers. And 
Dak was slinging that ball. No respect. He he? really doesn't. (laughs) He really doesn't. Des Bryant absolutely loves Michael Gallup. I don't know if you ever see Des tweet, but during games, he's like, get it to 13. And like, (laughs) and then Andy Dalton last week, uh, when Andy Dalton got it to Gallup, you know, back to back play. Yeah. It was like, okay, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Um, Oh my God. That's how he sounds. Yeah, I know. (laughs) But Anyway, uh, I love C.D. Lamb. I think he's going to be a tremendous asset to that team. Um, you know, I'm, I'm. So, what do you think happens? I mean, do they keep everybody? Do you think this is a situation where Gallup could get massively paid by someone else for a second contract? He ends up moving on. I think that would be what in two years. I'm not a person that's going to speculate or predict. I don't okay. have. I don't know. I don't know. Okay. I mean, they haven't even paid Dak yet. And so who knows? <laughs> right. No, I'm serious. Um, they've oh, I, yeah. and now that he's injured, you know, the chance that they franchise tag him one more year, you know, who who knows what they're going to end up doing? They are sucking right now. They're going to yeah. have a high draft pick unless things really change around really quickly. And I don't know that that's going to happen. That offensive line is trash. It is, and and teams know it. Um. Yep, but they got all these toys. They got Zeke. They got three wide receivers. Um, and if you can't protect for more than two point one seconds, it's going to be a tough life. Um, all right. Uh, next up is Jalen Reger, and he's one that we saw him a little bit. Uh, he could he got loose for one long catch. I think that was week one, and then he actually had one that was overthrown, I believe, by Carson Wentz that same week. He could have gone over a hundred yards in his first NFL game. Uh, he had a couple other moments, but he's been out for a stretch here. He should be back soon. He feels like out of the top four, five, six guys of the class, he's the out of sight, out of mind one where, you know, he was on his way, you know, to being a number one within his offense right away and uh, push the pause button with the injury. I missed who you were asking about. Jalen Rager. Oh, okay, Rager. Yeah, I am uh, not pushing the panic button on him. We haven't had a chance to see him. And they need him. They really need him to get healthy and be healthy. And I think that he could have a bomb second half of the season where he finally gets the eyes and respect from the community like he should. And uh, I think I don't think that Carson Wentz is washed up. And I'm, you know, the team itself is a basket case. But I'm looking forward to seeing Rager on the field. Excuse me. If you're a con- if you're a contender, would you give a 21 first for Rager? Yes. Okay. Uh, next up, Justin Jefferson, and I mean on the CD Lamb spectrum, um, I actually think he's looked better in terms of the routes he's running um, and what he's doing within said environment. Uh, Jefferson's been uh, arguably, you know, the most impressive wide uh, rookie wide receiver. And uh, I mean, I don't know what else to say. I mean, he's stepped right into that number two role. Um, he's getting a lot of production right away, and even though Kirk Cousins has struggled a little bit. Yeah, I like Justin Jefferson. This class was <laughs> so deep at wide receiver, and the problem yeah. was where they were hitting compared to some of the running backs, which was also deep. And when you have such a such a good and deep class, something's got to give. So I only have a few shares of Justin Jefferson. Wish I had more. Uh, you know me. It's not my style to trade for a player when they're hot. You know, I'll wait. There will be a time where there's a secondary buy opportunity, and then I'll scoop up some shares. But right now is not the time to buy him. He has looked fantastic. 
he has looked fantastic. But wait for him to get hurt. Wait for him to go through a tough stretch or something. Wait for them to draft another wide receiver. You know, wait for something like that uh, to create some other window. It's crazy. We might have seven, eight, nine rookie wide receivers finishing in the top, say, 60 this year. I mean, it really is a banner year for early production. Um, Brandon Ayuk is the next one. Um, he flashed in a couple games. Uh, Debo Samuel is back. Now we've got quarterback questions. Uh, the 49ers are going through their own injuries um, at present. But but Ayuk looks like, again, a perfect fit for that offense. After the catch, they've used him a little bit as a runner. Um, you know, sort of Ayuk and, and Debo Samuel are similar type players, and Ayuk's the one with more pedigree, and right now he's in the top 50 as well. Yeah. Uh, again, what can you say about Ayuk that's bad? Uh yeah. You know, well, what's bad is some people were while some people got him in the you know two oh two to two oh five range. Other people paid like one eleven. I guess that's the one quibble you could say, right? Some people paid more than others. That that may be true, but hasn't he produced like a one eleven? Oh no, he looks yeah, right. He looks I mean, oh, so no, how can you all be, these guys? That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, I mean, there's there's. Well, you said say something bad about him, so I did. Uh, <laughs> it was a tongue-in-cheek rhetorical question. But anyway, uh, he's done what we thought that he was going to do. And there were, like, if you were able to get him closer to the middle of the second round, what a complete steal. Yep. Uh, he was a really good metric prospect. Another good metric prospect was uh, T. Higgins. So we, we talked about him a little bit with A.J. Green a few minutes ago. And, uh, yeah, again, he 21-year-old, and he looks the part of uh, being that, you know, he's – taking over building chemistry with Joe Burrow and that tandem could be around for a long, long time. Yeah. I mean, nothing really else to say. Uh, Michael Pittman, he's on the shelf. Uh, he really didn't show too much. So he's going to be one that, you know, you probably get to the off season and compared to these other guys, he loses out just because he misses this opportunity where T Y Hilton hasn't done very much. So, yeah. and Paris Campbell is out. I mean, Pittman being healthy, could have really been a shot in his arm for his value because the opportunity could absolutely be there when you see what Zach Pascal and uh, who's the other one? Marcus uh, Johnson. I forgot the other guy. Marcus. Marcus Johnson. Excuse me. Yeah. I mean, you're getting rogue guys doing positive things, and that could have been uh, kind of funneled towards Pittman a little bit. All right. So let me say this about Pittman. Huh? We saw him and Chase Claypool at the Senior Bowl, and yep. we both liked them both. Uh, I like Pittman a little bit better than Claypool. So if that puts in the minds of the listeners, right. you see what Chase Claypool is doing with Pittsburgh. And Pittsburgh right. has a good eye for wide receiver talent. They are utilizing Claypool uh, a ton and in the right ways, and he's a beast. Michael Pittman plays like that too. So if you can be patient, it, it, like right now is a good time to buy Michael Pittman for a pittance compared to what... Give him for a third-round pick, maybe. Maybe. Maybe because he is out of sight, out of mind. And I would also put out feelers for Jalen Rager. Uh, and, yeah. and again, if any discount is, uh, is a good thing. Uh, LaVisca Chenault. So he's been used regularly. Um, he actually hasn't produced over uh, a lot of the guys that we've already mentioned, though. I mean, it feels like he's getting on the field a ton and playing a ton. Uh, but with DJ Chark there, a few other wide receivers of note, um, and also, I wanted your thoughts on what do you think about the manufactured touches sort of start for Chenault and if that transitions, develops, because eventually you got to be closer to a traditional wide receiver. Right. So you and I have had this conversation many times on the premium podcast while they were Debbie and in college. And our biggest question mark about LaVishka Chenault 
was what role would he play in the NFL? Was he going to be more like a Cordero Patterson with a lot of physical talent, but the gimmicky, we've got to, you know, scheme him open. He's not going to be a, ru- a route running, uh, you know, physical, tough type wide receiver. And that was our projection. And that's pretty much what he has done so far. So yeah. uh, he is who we, we thought that he was. Um, but I think he's done enough that if you do own him, you could exit for a very decent price. Maybe get a Pittman Plus. Maybe get Rager. I don't know if you could get him straight up, to, but not have to add closer. a lot. Right. Not have yeah, to add a lot. Than, and those and, would be moves I'd really uh, want to make. So uh, Chenault is a physical talent, but as you mentioned, the usage, the way that he's being used, the way that he's being schemed and um, it, he's not the traditional wide receiver. He's been played at running back. He's, again, scoring fantasy points, but right. he, he's, he's not going to be that wide receiver one stud, right. I don't believe. Um, yeah, he, he is a better version of Cordero Patterson. Right. And, and so, again, that has value, but I just think because of that usage limitation, probably he will have a limited ceiling as well because eventually – there will be a new coaching staff, a new system, or eventually when you have to keep manufacturing touches for a player, at some point you get other players that are more universally usable. So you stop manufacturing the touches as much. Right. So that that would be the bigger macro concern with him. All right, so let's get to Chase Claypool. Yeah. You mentioned him in passing. I did. He has been, what is he got, like five touchdowns? In, he Just a couple he games. Really, he could have two more touchdowns. Right. Uh, this past, He could have had three touchdowns this past week. I think he had one that he went out just short that they reviewed it. He had another one that was a missed opportunity right near the goal line. Um, so, again, talk about they're creating optimal opportunities. Now, I don't know if anyone, even those related to Chase Claypool, think that this touchdown rate per touch can sustain itself. And I don't think opposing defenses will let that happen, you know, the longer this sample size grows. But he's producing with the opportunities he has. He was a, you know, deemed and, uh, you know, historical boom bust prospect that right now is booming. Um, I would say, just the analytical side of me, is typically it doesn't work out. Like when you look at a two, three, four year sample of him turning into like this unequivocal, like game changing player over a bigger period. But right now, I mean, it almost feels like he's the it girl. And I mean, there's almost no one with a hotter uh, flame to them dynasty wise and just uh, overall appeal wise right now. I don't disagree with that, but I also think that. Juju's got to eventually come back up. James Washington had a a pretty good game. So the question is not only that you cannot maintain, he reminds me a little bit of uh, Tampa Bay Mike Williams, not the Mike Williams that we know from the Chargers, but remember Tampa Bay Mike Williams, I think it was 2012, 2013, somewhere in there. And After big Mike Williams. You had big Mike Williams, you had almost little Mike Williams, which is Tampa Bay. Yeah. And then you got another one. But he had a monster season fantasy-wise because of all the touchdowns and then regressed the next year and disappeared completely for the rest of... By year three or four. Yeah, I mean, gone. So is is he like that? Or, you know, his nickname is Mapletron. 
uh, <laughs> right. is so, you know, I don't think that he is Megatron, uh, you know, in the, in the new era. Um, I, I think he's still boom bust and I love the passion that he plays with. And I love the physicality that he plays with. And, uh, he has shown decent hands and everything, you know, he looks the part. So, uh, you know, if you wanted to, you could probably get a boatload for him right now, and and sign away get get whatever that you want. Well, you could probably get Jalen Rager plus. You could probably get. I think you, you might easily get could. Jerry Judy. I saw him traded. Believe it or not, and and I don't know how you. I wanted to ask how you felt about this. Sure. Um, I saw him traded straight up for Antonio Gibson. Oh. That actually feels like you could get more. I know. I that um, was my first thought. I really like thought. Gibson, but it feels like if Gibson is sort of in that mid first ish range right now, I mean, I would guess Claypool's at least there. Right. So it's such a deep class, which makes it interesting. Yeah. So I thought that was interesting. At least you're trading a different position for a different position. You're not trading right. just a wide receiver straight up for a wide receiver. Um, so I think that if you're inclined, <laughs> you know, just shoot for the moon i think that at least for this season i don't right. think he's he's i don't think it's midnight and he's going to turn into a pumpkin yeah. um it's more of the big picture like does the volume come up enough because eventually as a wide receiver right you got to get to the point where like, you're not getting these end around goal line i mean again that that's the sort of lavisca chenault unsustainable it's not gonna you know happen for you know when you look at two three four years from now right i mean so that's the thing that will need to change and transition to is he going to get 125 targets just to throw out a number i mean is he going to become that guy um that is a wide receiver one or wide receiver two on a really strong offense so that's sort of the threshold you need to start hitting and it doesn't have to be now but you know soon you know year year two year three etc to start maintaining this right and even you know and even megatron the original not mapletron <laughs> i mean even he had big up big uh, oscillations and touchdowns so to think that and i know a lot of people think what is happening now will happen in perpetuity or it's hard to think of three months from now or a year from now right but uh he actually but, didn't know, even have I, any touchdowns yeah no he had I a mean, rushing Evan, touchdown he had a rushing touchdown i mean mike evans i mean mike evans went from like 12 touchdowns to three to nine I mean, it's just touchdowns go all over the place. So yeah. to think he's going to be the biggest game changer. I mean, just just one sidebar point. I mean, let's think. How about Lamar Jackson? I mean, he's having a relative down year. Isn't he like QB eight or something? I mean, for everyone that thought he was going to change the game. Right. QB eight in a year is not changing the game. Right. So he changed the game last year. But we're seeing just, again, it's just not quite the same. He's running a little less. Uh, passing is obviously a whole different environment. And he was a screaming regression candidate. Yep. And it's, it's, it's biting him, too. It bites almost everybody. It bites everyone but Aaron Rodgers. And, and, and let, me, <laughs> let me also add this. In week one, he had two targets. Week two, three targets. Week, week three, he had four targets. Then they had their bye week. Week yeah. five was the big one. 11 targets. He had seven, yep. seven receptions, three touchdowns. 
and uh, plus a rushing touchdown. When they, when so they covered him four, with a linebacker. Yeah, they I know. Covered him with a I linebacker know, like know. half the game for God's sake. And then he, yeah. and then this week he went back to four targets. He had all yeah. four receptions for seventy-four yards and one rushing touchdown. So again, he's not being heavily targeted. So if you exactly. if you take away the touchdowns, and again, I, I a lot of people are like, yeah, well, if you take away the best part of anybody, they suck. It, it's like, right. but you know. But you're getting down to usage. Right. I mean, that's exactly. why you, you shouldn't freak out too much about like, oh, this running back is averaging 3.4 yards per carry. Well, if he still gets carries, that, you know, it'll eventually come around. Right. So, the the you know, he's had the one huge week, he's had two decent weeks, and then he's also had two below average weeks. And right. now... But he's the hot girl right now, and, right. Katie. You don't understand. Right now. That's why I'm weeks, saying that's all that right now, if, if you've got somebody And what's hilarious is the 40-plus point game doesn't matter because... It's you, in the past. Story, it was like eight... No, but it was 18% start rate. Like, almost nobody had him in their lineup. Right. No one got credit for that. Well, it's gone. It's in the ether. But it's also in the <laughs> past. And that's the thing that yeah. too many people focus on is, well, he's already done it. Yeah, that's right. He's done it, which doesn't necessarily mean he's going to do it again. Uh, yep. So anyway, uh, one more if, ro- if, if, well, one, if you were able to get a boat, I would, I would take that boat. Yep. One more reminder about a guy that's out of sight, out of mind, is Denzel Mims. Yeah. He should be back yep. soon. And uh, they need all the weapons they can get. Yeah, they do. So we'll see. I mean, the, he could he could see significant snaps on the outside right away once he's healthy and a pretty good metric prospect So from, from round two. So yep. he's another one, just like Reger, just like a couple of these guys where Pittman, you know, just the pause button got pushed early. And that can lead to, again, he's on somebody's IR, probably not, you know, uh, not not pushing the needle in terms of them needing to move him. But if you have him, again, this is, you know, you're holding firm. You drafted him in the first half of the second round or whatever. And you're, uh, you want to see what you have and not completely flush away your eval from three or four months of the offseason. Um, all right. So final thoughts, Katie, and then I'll go into the, uh, the best ball contest update here to close. Sure. So this is the weekend that uh, I'm paying off my bet to Kyle. Uh, and Excellent. he and his wife and, and child are coming over. We're going to grill and chill and watch the Cowboys game. Hopefully, uh, oh, no. I, may be, I may have to put it on red zone instead of the Cowboys game yes. specifically. But uh, we're going to have a great time. Uh, oh, wait, they're playing Washington, aren't they? Yeah, they are. They're playing Washington. So that should be interesting. Oh. Washington has a heck of a defense. Um, yeah, so that's troubling. Yeah, I mean, Chase Young could be a troubling sight. Yeah. So, <laughs> okay. I mean, we'll see. Um, it's it should the weather keeps fluctuating anywhere from 70 to 80 degrees. So we'll see what it ends up. It shouldn't be uh, any rain in the forecast. So uh, his daughter. Do you have a do you have a featured uh, supr- part of the uh, menu you have planned? Well, I'm grilling steaks and we're going to do like, uh, I'm making some homemade jam. I found out that his wife and daughter do not like even black pepper. They Black pepper is too spicy for them. So so <laughs> I am making some. So the opposite of me. <laughs> so I'm, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm making blueberry jalapeno jam to go with a cheese and cracker and fruit plate. But I'm also going to make separate just regular blueberry jam for those that don't like any spice at all. And uh, so that'll be as part of the appetizers. Um, (laughs) We're going to have all kinds of vegetables. I'm going to do some kind of potato and then, of course, you know, some nice thick steaks. And uh, he's bringing some scotch and some whiskey, and I've got some whiskey. I am officially 10 weeks into my uh, 
lifestyle change. I've lost 16 pounds. I haven't been drinking at all in the last 10 weeks. So this will be my first time and I'm sure it'll hit me. I mean, I've had like two or three drinks. So, uh, got to make an exception for Sunday. Yeah, though, Sunday, yeah. right. The 10 week part was when I can Excellent. have my cheat day. So Sunday will be my cheat day and, um, looking forward to just getting to know them. Um, they're getting ready to move, but they're still only about an hour away. And, uh, you know, he's he's been fun. I've been on his podcast. Um, he's fun to talk to. Can't wait to meet him. Nice. Uh, look forward to hearing about it next week. Uh, let's update the UTH Best Ball Subscriber Contest. And uh, shout out to Kevin Riley, taking it down in week six. Uh, a good 15 points or so ahead of the rest of the field. He had big-time performances from Ryan Tannehill. He got the breakout game in best ball from DeAndre Swift going over 30 points in the contest. And he just had a well-rounded week, a lot of 15-plus, 20-plus uh, performances. And with the bye weeks uh, and overall, it was not an, a high-scoring week at all. I mean, this might be the first one in a long time where not even 250 uh, was the high score. We generally have closer to 300 for uh, the best ones of the week. And uh, he's got four strong quarterbacks overall uh, to potentially make a run. Might benefit from the Mark Ingram injury with Mr. J.K. Dobbins uh, in future weeks. Uh, let's see what else. I mean, he's got a bunch of the rookie wide receivers that could be helping him. Uh, pretty light at tight end overall, so he was fortunate to get Irv Smith uh, with a, one of his biggest games of the year. And Hayden Hurst also coming through with a nice game. He needed that to have the overall finish there. So the overall standings, uh, Katie, is still very high. Uh, let me get to that page one second. Uh, actually, oh, you took over the lead. I did. Last week, I, I missed it by two. We thought that I might... Uh, Grumpy Raiders going down. Yeah. So and I've got a now a thirty point lead just in this one week. So I overcame the two point lead that he had, and I'm ahead of him by thirty now. Which, you know, cream rises to the top. I always say. <laughs> I'm telling you, Katie is a tough one to beat in this contest. And you know what? She has no insider info. She gets the list like everybody else and puts it together, sends it to me, and you know go from there for the next four months and uh, so yeah we've got katie up at the top we've got uh, andy rizzo second we've got bartholomew in th uh, third andrew calio uh in fourth and uh brian budworth rounding it out in uh fifth i am like ninth or tenth and uh i think we still got well jordan's about middle of the pack ish and uh tim is a little bit below that so I think he's moving up. It wasn't Tim nearly DFL, and now he's he's getting there. So we've, we're, we're respectable. We're all in the top 65% or so of the contest. And uh, we'll keep shouting that out. A uh, reminder once again about patreon.com slash UTH uh, to support what we do as well as becoming a general manager subscriber over at UTHDynasty.com. Follow Katie Flower at FF underscore Skylar 399. I am at Chad Parsons NFL. And until next time, never settle, refuse to be average, and keep building those dynasties.